Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Draftville. As the USA Today Sports Network counts down to the 2019 NFL Draft with our new weekly podcast, I'm your host, Tommy Dees, from the Tennessean offices in Nashville, home of this year's NFL Draft. Draftville will be bringing you analysis, news, and opinion from around the country. Today, we'll be talking about the Arizona Cardinals, who have the number one overall pick, and the New Orleans Saints, who have to wait until the second round before they make their first selection. And first up is Bob McMahon of the Arizona Republic. He covers the Arizona Cardinals for the Gannett uh, USA Today Network. How are you doing, Bob? Doing well. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, what's up with this number one pick that the Cardinals have? We put you up first <laughs> because you got the first overall pick. So who are you taking? Yeah, I'm I'm bewildered with what to do there. I'm not sure what they will do. I know if it was my pick, I'd be confused as all heck. Um Tyler Murray is a guy that they'll strongly consider. It wouldn't surprise me if they take him, but it'd be awful hard to do after trading a third and a fifth to move up five spots to get Josh Rosen number 10 last year. So whatever they do, uh, which include, include trading down, uh, they better make the right move because this could be very, very impactful on the several people's jobs over there. Yeah, and I don't know if it's precedented that a team has ever traded up to get a first-round quarterback and the next year gotten another first-round quarterback basically to let him go. Is it? How do, how do you it's read never that? never happened. How do you read that? Is that just a complete lack of faith in Josh Rosen, or is it the coaching change, or what combination of factors have led to this possibility? Probably 3-13 and 13 finish, a new coaching hire, uh, maybe a new way of thinking over at Cardinals that we have to be progressive. We have to be different. We have to catch up to the rest of the times. We need to start scoring a lot of points uh, and maybe going with a different type of quarterback is the way to do that. What What is the feeling about Josh Rosen there? Um, you know, he was a guy who, who was traded up <clears throat> for, but he was angry that he fell all the way <laughs> where he fell, as I recall, after the draft and was pretty outspoken about it. He was, but um, everything that I've heard from the new head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, including um, the time I spent with him at the Combine in Indianapolis recently, was Josh is still our guy. We we love what he did last year, especially he got better at the end of the year. They loved his strength, his ability to get up from hits, to not lose it on the sidelines, to act like an idiot, to be strong, a leader, uh, and be reassuring. Uh, good study habits, everything the opposite of what Charlie Casserly has said about Josh Rosen, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, what do you mean about Kyler Murray or about Josh Rosen? I don't remember what Josh he said Rose. about Josh. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he ripped them both. Yeah, he just doesn't like quarterbacks who go to or may end up in Arizona, apparently. 
Um, but but I remember the the kind of the book on him with a lot of uh, scouts or the, the scuttle. But the question, I guess, would be a better way to put it was 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 Josh Rosen really all in on football? Is that what he wanted to he do with his life? That. And and you feel like he completely what, dispelled that last year with. I, I don't know how many times I interviewed him, over 100 maybe. Uh, between all of us out here uh, and week to week, day to day, game to game, there was none of that. He completely dispelled it. Talking to people outside who came in to the organization to work with him, talk with him, talk about him, no one said anything like that. Uh, he completely dispelled those myths out of college. He loves the game. He's committed to it. Uh, it's sad that some of these things are, are coming up again. See, it seems to me like just lazy reporting. Yeah, and it, it's also, I guess, trying to figure out why they would be willing to part with him if they are indeed willing to part with him. What, it's what, unusual if it happens. Yes, absolutely. What 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 is the thought on Kyler Murray there? What do you think, first of all, let me just start with the, the basic. What do you think the fan base wants a change already? I, I think the fan base, fan base is, is maybe split on this. Um, I've seen reactions both positive and negative to the idea of going with Murray. Uh, they're sick of, of three and 13 that they got spoiled here for a little while under Bruce Arians. Um, uh, and they haven't been in the playoffs for a few years. If you fire a coach after one season, uh, maybe there's a precedent. Now, if you're not happy with the quarterback, you go in a different direction. You try to, uh, light up the scoreboard, light up the league, become, the team people are talking about. I think that appeals to Michael Bidwell, the team president. And I think the fan base would be okay with that as well. Yeah, and and if you got a sure thing, if you've got maybe an, an Andrew Luck was considered, you know, probably the most sure sure Without thing question. since uh in quite a while. Um, but there have been others. That John, John, yeah, John Elway was that. I, I even think there were questions about Peyton Manning, uh, as I recall, and he maybe right. had a fairly similar rookie year to Josh Rosen, but, um, he had a worse year. Right. So, so when, when you look at Kyler Murray and when you talk to people who've seen Kyler Murray, is he regarded in your mind or in theirs as that sure thing? Or is he, he roll of the dice? Because I would think it is height well, for one thing. Yeah. That's a fair question. And it's a, a very good question. The dynamics of Kyler Murray make him, completely different and off the charts from a lot of other quarterbacks. He's not just a running quarterback. The guy threw for almost 50 touchdowns or, or more, whatever it was, ran for a thousand yards, but passed for so many more. Uh, elusive quickness. The thing that has really sold people was his measurements that came in on Thursday at the combine, five ten and one eight. It seemed to set the stage and say, you know what? Russell Wilson, here we go. Maybe even quicker, more elusive Russell Wilson. And it brought me to the realization and sold me on the fact this could happen because of what Steve Kime revealed to Peter King a few years ago, two years ago or so, when he said, I messed on Russell Wilson. It was a chicken bleep move by me. I didn't have the onions to do it, and I should have. And that's when they were searching for quarterbacks and they passed. This to me says they're not going to make that mistake again, whether or not they think they have their franchise quarterback already in place or not. It's a very, very real possibility. 
So I can think of, you know, a handful of quarterbacks who are in the, the short range from Drew Brees on down. Doug Flutie, after a while, kind of caught on. Sure. Warren Moon was that kind of guy. But for every one of those, there's a Johnny Manziel or a um, an Eric Zier or somebody who just never right. never could make it. It's it's not just like being that tall and if you have the other tools, you definitely make it. Um, what 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 else do you see in his makeup, and what do you make of these reports that he didn't interview well? And I will say, the one television interview he did where he wouldn't say baseball or football, everybody said he well, interviewed bad. He hadn't made his decision. But he, right. didn't, he did not I, come across well in that setting. No, he probably should have declined the interview uh, and maybe not had his dad sit right ne- next to him telling him when to say something and when not to. <laughs> that was uncomfortable for everybody, let alone Dan Patrick. I'll tell you this. When we talked to him at the Combine, he was very open and honest. Uh, he questioned some of the questions, and I didn't have a problem with that. That's a leadership thing to be. Uh, I wasn't in any of the private interviews, of course, with teams. I don't buy a word of what, what I heard out of Charlie Casterly's mouth. I, I believe in what I see, what people I know. Maybe he didn't interview well with some teams, one or two. I doubt Charlie Casterly spoke to all 11 teams that this young man talked with. But I believe in some of the reports about he could go number one. He certainly will go in the first round. And I'll say this. Kingsbury told me it doesn't take speed, elusiveness to run the air raid offense. He plans to run in some form here in Arizona. Uh, he can get it done with any quarterback. He said Tom Brady would run this offense fantastically, not relating that to Josh Rosen, but noting that Rosen isn't <clears throat> maybe the most fleet of foot quarterback, but it could easily handle it and run it. They adapt it to the players they don't have the players to the scheme. Yes, and then we have seen that run by by basically pocket quarterbacks, and we've seen it run by more mobile quarterbacks. Sure. We haven't seen it run in the NFL at this level enough to know that no. it works with without a great quarterback because most offenses uh, he, work with great quarterbacks. That's true, but I'll say what he's told me when I said the same thing. He goes, there's been variations of this offense for the last five to seven years. You're seeing some of it, Kansas City, L.A. Rams, for instance, there's part and parcels of it. And I think it can work in varying degrees. But I think it's also important to note that Kingsbury said they're going to make this offense revolve around David Johnson as much as anything or anyone. That's a good transition because I kind of wanted to to look. Everybody is uh, focused uh, for obvious reasons on the first overall pick. But when you look at Arizona's needs and, and last year's records, I, I was just kind of Googling around, and, and it was kind of humorous. The two positions that didn't come up in needs were quarterback, just because they had just gotten one, and running back. But almost everything else is, is a spot of need. Would, would you agree with that? Well, they solved one of those needs today with signing Jordan Hicks to a four-year deal, an Eagles inside backer. They did sign a starting cornerback, as you noted, Robert Alford. They got a starting right tackle on Marcus Gilbert. They traded for recently with the Steelers just a week ago. They picked up Terrell Suggs for at least a year. I, if he feels like he can still play and he does well, they'll probably bring him back a second year. They got depth at linebacker. So, I mean, they've done, they've been as proactive as anybody before this legal tampering began. Mm-hmm. And, um, they're ahead of the curve in many respects. They can do almost anything in the draft now. And, and make it almost like a luxury. They need a guard, 
They could use depth at all the positions I just mentioned, and they definitely need a wide receiver. So the two picks now that they really can focus on is players who aren't at number one at the draft. So if you draft a quarterback, your second, third pick, you could trade up and get your guard, get your receiver, make sure you get another corner, add a safety, maybe another tackle. But the, the draft is positioning incredibly well for them right now because of what they've done before it. Right. And and if they were, let, let me look at two scenarios um, as we close out the segment. Let's say there's a trade-down scenario. They decide that they're going to stick with Josh Rosen and they trade that pick and they pick up a later first and, and maybe a second or maybe a future sure. pick thrown in. Um, what positions would you think they would zero in on in that scenario? Well, if they feel they haven't fulfilled their outside linebacker role completely, even though they brought in Terrell Suggs, they still need a younger guy there because Marcus Golden is unrestricted. So a pass rusher on the other side, just to be safe, an interior defensive lineman who, who can be their Aaron Donald-like, that's where I see a Quinn Williams type if they were to stay within the top five, top four, a wide receiver, certainly an interior offensive line guard. Yeah, and, and as you noted, um, that stacks up incredibly well, especially on the defensive line um, with their needs and, and what's available right. in this draft. So so that's a scenario that, that could make a lot of sense for them. Um, and, and I guess it's pretty much the same thing if they decide to um, see what they can get for Rose and, and, and go with Kyler Murray. Um, you're still targeting the same positions. Is, is there anything later in the draft, uh, say five through seven, that, that you think – um, a position they might want to take a flyer on. Um, you mentioned outside backer, even with Suggs, that's not a long-term solution. I think we can agree. Right. No, and it would be very hard for them to pass on one of these guys because this draft is so top-heavy with elite-level edge guys and a couple guys in the interior that are, that are world beaters. If they pass on all those guys, they better address that earlier in the draft because – as deep as this one is, you're not going to find one in the fifth, sixth, or seventh that's going to do you any good. They better hit that earlier. Is is that more where they might look for that safety um, or, or an interior line? Yeah, safety, I could see that for sure. Um, it, receivers, um, maybe the second receiver, you could always find a good receiver late in the draft. We've seen it every year with running backs. You can get them as non-drafted free agents. It might bode well for them as receivers, too, but they've gone a little too long without making sure they bring in the right element. Depends on who they have at quarterback, I guess we have to look to. Um, and they're building that without that quarterback right now, so they must have had an idea. Uh, something inside me says, let's, let's not be surprised if they draft Kyler Murray, but my gut says they're not going to make that splash. So so let's say they keep number one and they don't go Murray. Is it Bosa or is there another thought there? It would, in my opinion, there's three choices. It's Bosa, Quinn and Williams for the inter, Josh Allen is the other outside guy. And I think they all grade out around the same. My pick would be Bosa, but I don't I'm not fortunate enough to get the pick it. Right, I would like to be the guy who got picked with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Me too, or his agent. 
Yeah, and and whether they go quarterback or when you, there's no better place to be in the draft than number one overall. Um, there's the right. pressure of getting That's it right. right, but boy, you sure got a, a lot of good players to pick mm-hmm. from. Yeah, no doubt. Well, thank you, Bob. We really appreciate you coming on the Draftville podcast, and we may be talking again as uh, things develop with that number one pick. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we move along from the team with the number one overall pick to a team with no number one pick, no first-round draft choice. I have our guest, Glenn Gilbo, in studio. Glenn is with Gannett uh, USA Today Network in Louisiana, covers the Saints. Uh, Hello, Glenn. Hello, Tommy. So, so what do you do while the Saints aren't picking on the first night? <laughs> uh, well, in the past, it's been covering some kind of news with with LSU because they cover them too. But uh, you know, it'll it'll be a slow night, and you know, the Saints are not quite like the the old Washington Redskins of, of George Allen, but their philosophy is definitely going for broke with with this last year of Drew Brees. This may actually be the last year, but they're but they're keeping uh, Teddy Bridgewater as, as a quarterback. But, you know, they, they are uh, not looking to the far future right now. <laughs> right. And, and they kind of traded the future. Sure. Uh, sure. They traded up, traded up in the first round last year, lost the first round pick for this year to, to move up to get Marcus Davenport, a defensive end, who they wouldn't have gotten, obviously, if they didn't make the trade as, as low as they were. And he was not a great rookie, but but they feel like he can be good uh, in the future. Uh, and, you know, now uh, they just lost Mark Ingram to free agency as a solid running back. So that's one of their needs going into this draft. Right. And they also lost picks in the middle rounds or early middle rounds, uh, getting Teddy Bridgewater exactly. to, to shore up that for the future. So, so we're looking at a Saints draft that is second round and then five, six, seven. So, right. so they right. kind of, they kind of make a cameo appearance on day two. And then they say, we'll see you tomorrow, you know. Exactly. Are they going to do like like Ditka did and just trade away the whole draft so they, they can go home? <laughs> that didn't work out well. <laughs> um, you know, the second-round pick, they really need another wide receiver to, to, to complement Michael Thomas. Uh, they just haven't been able to, to find that. And you really got to help Drew Brees as, as much as you can. So I think – They'll probably go wide receiver in that second round. Uh, I'm not sure who who still will still be available, but they should be able to find somebody talented there. I don't think they'll go. You know, running backs are not usually picked that high lately, so I, I think they feel like they can find somebody there for that later. Generally speaking, you've got one or two running backs who are kind of above thought of as being above the rest, and they're probably off the board by the time the Saints pick in the second round. So you're looking for a value guy somewhere in five, six, and seven. Yeah, and they have Alvin Kamara, and and their attitude has been in the past, though it hasn't always worked. You know, we can find a running back, mm-hmm. free agency. Some, I, I mean, uh, uh, rookie free agent, right? You know, saying, you know yeah. not high price free agent. Uh, so, but uh, you know, and they, and they may be looking at a at a wide receiver in, in free agency as well. But I, I think your best bet, second round wide receiver. I was thinking they might try to draft a referee. <laughs> Is there? Will there be a good one available in the second round? <laughs> that could uh, that, that that would be popular, uh, uh, and and that might go along with. A, there's a comedy being written as, as we speak about that last call uh, against the Rams, but uh, that was. Uh, it's nothing to laugh at, I don't think. <laughs> Not in New Orleans, <laughs> in New for sure. Orleans, the rest no. of us are kind of over it, yeah. I think. But um, you know, there's certainly 
people around the country who think it was an injustice and all that. But I think I think the New Orleans people carried as a, a battle scar a little more than than maybe the rest of us. Well, it. I, I think people outside New Orleans were shocked by that call more than than the usual call. I mean, I I think it's one of the worst calls ever. I mean, especially in a in a big game. You know, the Stabler Hail Mary uh, against the Chargers that that San Diego Chicken passed out. That was an early season game. You know, it didn't really have a lot of significance. Right. This was. This was huge. I mean, if they call it, there's a 98% chance the Saints uh, go to the Super Bowl. But they return much of the team, and they're really a pretty young team, except at quarterback. So it could, um, they still are going to be a Super Bowl contender, I feel. Right, and, and really that does tie into the draft, that call, because they went all in on last year and this year. The, the window closes somewhat with Drew Brees. Sure. Unless, you know, I mean, does that mean it's impossible for them to contend after that? No, but you know you can contend when you have a quarterback like Drew Brees. And, and they've been all in with this shrinking window. This is the third year. And, and you know, they got close to the NFC title game two years ago with the crazy loss at, at Minnesota. Nothing wrong with the referee and just a crazy freak yeah, that, play. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah, that is not anything TV. to blame except right. that's the way football bounces sometimes. Yeah, and then the next year they get to the NFC title game and they're that close to the Super Bowl and they don't get there. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's tough, but they are incrementally improving their finish and uh, you know that they're uh, they're just a couple players away now now Ingram though Ingram had was one of those has one of those characteristics that you know you can't just replace with some scrap heap uh, scrap heap running back he was a leader and he really took Alvin Kamara under his wing and um, you know some people are seeing that as a mistake as as letting him go uh, so hopefully they they can replace that because that's more than just a helmet Yes, and uh, you know that's a Heisman Trophy winner and, and a guy with a pedigree. And I know some some of his time at Alabama because I was in Tuscaloosa at that time, and he was regarded as a leader there. Really, when he walked on campus, sure, you know, he, he comes from an NFL background with his father, and kind of had an all business out of no nonsense attitude. And and I know of a tale where um, <laughs> I'll tell a tale without mentioning any names where uh, he was, I think, in his junior year, and there was a, a freshman who was kind of mouthing off in the locker room and, and Mark Ingram told him, you know, shut up. We don't, he was, he was mouthing off and kind of, kind of picking on somebody. We don't do that here. Wow. And yeah. the, the rookie had some words with him and Mark just went over and finished uh, dressing and everything. So we don't have problems in our locker room. Yeah. And then Mark was waiting for him by his pickup truck. When he went out in the parking lot, he said, sometimes we have problems in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And uh, That's the rookie great. did not uh, end up being disruptive the rest of the year or ever again. But <laughs> I don't know if it got physical or if it was more just a point of, no, we're not going to have problems in the locker room, but if you make problems, you're going to create problems for yourself. And I don't know that he would do it the same way in the NFL, but I think he's always had that, you know, we're here to win football games, and if you're not here to win football games, then we need to straighten out your attitude. Yeah, and that's why he's going to be missed, because, or potentially be missed, because the Saints are adamant about their locker room and not messing it up. That's why they didn't go after the Steelers wide receiver Antonio Brown uh, and uh, and other players in the past. And when they've had issues, they've gotten rid of them quick. And uh, Ingram really, really fit into that well, too. And, you know, and the, Ingram was a cool story in New Orleans because he started off slow and people didn't thought he was picked too high. And he probably was picked too high. Uh, but he made himself a better player and, and developed his last few years in New Orleans. He was as good as anybody. 
Yeah, and he's also a guy who had a real good nose around the, the goal line. I mean, some guys have that knack of if you get within a yard, they're going to get it across, and some guys don't so much. I think he's one of those guys, so he's productive in the red zone. So um, it'll be interesting to see what the Saints do with uh, with their five, six, and seven picks where you're you're taking flyers on guys who are lower in the draft who you hope all pan out, but don't. Sometimes you get a big-time player that late. Sometimes you get a guy who's not on your roster two, two years later. What what are the, the the positions that they might besides running back look at there? You know, maybe maybe another re- receiver. Um, actually, the Saints tend to do better in the in the later rounds. You know, they got Zach Streif in the in the mm-hmm. seventh round. Uh, they just took Will Clapp in the seventh round last year, offensive guard from New Orleans, and. Uh, from from L, from New Orleans and LSU, mm-hmm. and LSU fans went crazy because there's very few LSU players on the uh, Saints team. But um, I, I think you know they'll, they'll probably look at a running back, maybe, maybe another receiver, and and just somebody who's who grades well, you know, regardless of position. That that's how you pick in those low rounds. You don't necessarily go for need. As who, who's much. the best guy on the board? Because that right. guy might not even figure into your plans the next year. Right, but you think right. you know? Let's let's say there's a tight end that that you think's fallen. That's another the, position they need, right? Too. And, and but, you but think, higher than that round, right? But yeah, let's say he's you think he's a fourth round talent, and you're sitting in the fifth or sixth. Even if you had a tight end, you might say, "Well, we're not going to pass that guy." Up. Right, exactly. And then you know, then they can play special teams or or, or what have you. Um, so, and they they've been good with those low round picks. Right. Uh, let's switch tracks real quickly and just uh, tell us a little bit about the guys from LSU, Who, um, since you do cover them also. On Saturdays, you're in Baton Rouge, and on Sundays in New Orleans with the Saints. Um, who, who are some of the guys there that, that you think will pop up in this draft, and are there any sleepers in that group? Well, you know, we were just talking about tight ends. Foster Morrow is, is a very good tight end from New Orleans. Uh, that that had a very good career with LSU, went to the Senior Bowl. He's probably a mid-round pick, uh, so he may be available late for the Saints. That that could work. Um, but even guys that the Saints may not, you know, they're not going to draft everybody from LSU. But but who are some of, who, who are some other guys that if if you got a team out there, you might want to you know that you're following oh. through your draft. Who who are some guys the LSU? Um, might pop up in the draft that somebody might say, hey, I heard about him on the podcast. Well, I mean, Greedy Williams and Devin White are no first-round first picks, and, and probably each each in the top 15, you know, and, and they're really close. It's going to be interesting to see which one goes first. Uh, I've heard it I've heard it both ways. But, um, you know, the Saints won't have a chance at, at either of them. Uh, but I think both of those guys are going to be – excellent pros uh you know Devin White can play inside and outside depending on on the system and and uh, and Andrea's greedy Williams is another in a long line of of great cornerbacks from LSU he's he can run he's he's uh he he hasn't had a lot of action (laughs) because they don't throw to his side much so he's fresh uh but he's gonna he's gonna be a great pro I, I I think too and uh, really, that, that's it's. There's not a lot uh, after that. Uh, LSU's offensive line, uh, young last year. They don't have anybody coming out that's probably going to be drafted, and the, and the same on the uh, on the defensive line, so which it, is where they have put a lot of guys. Yeah, so they've yeah. got so many that went out early. They've kind of restocked and, and are younger there, right? Yeah, I mean the. Um, the 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 team that LSU returns this this coming season is is. Uh, 
they don't lose anybody. It's a lot of freshmen, sophomores. So there's not a lot of people in this draft from, from LSU. Okay, well, we'll keep an eye on those guys, Glenn Gilbo. Thank you for dropping by. And that's it for this edition, the inaugural edition of Draftville, a podcast from the USA Today Sports Network. Counting down to the NFL Draft April 25th through 27th in downtown Nashville. We'll be back with more next week.